Let's take a look at Second uh, Peter chapter 1. Verse 2. Second Peter 1 and verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you notice grace and peace are connected, as far as those things being multiplied to us, are connected to our knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Is it important for us to know something? Yeah, it's not just important that God is who He is. I mean, that's kind of a, a constant. It's not just important that, you know, God have a plan because He does have a plan. What's important is that we discover things about God, about Jesus. If I don't know anything about God, if I don't know anything about the Lord Jesus, then what happens? Well, I don't get grace and peace multiplied to me. Hmm. Is there value in biblical education? Absolutely. Of course, and of course we're not just talking about just memorizing or just head knowledge. I mean, you can be a theologian and be lost. <laughs> you know, you could memorize Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic and, and study the culture and memorize half the Bible and not have any of it be real to you. Okay, but that's not obviously not what he's talking about. You don't get grace and peace just because of that. But when you have an increased knowledge of God and knowledge of Jesus, then that affords us the opportunity to receive more grace and peace in our lives. All right? And so the knowledge of God that we're talking about here um, must be specific. It must be uh, a little bit greater than or more than I believe that God exists. I believe that there was once a man named Jesus. Know what I'm talking about? Some of the things that God wants to do in your life, in my life, are connected to us knowing about it. All right? That's why it is of tremendous value for us to both hear this word through reading it, through teaching, etc., and to hear from God individually for our lives. See, why does that matter? I must know something to believe something. Once I know something about God, about what He wants for me, then and only then do I have the opportunity to believe Him for it. To have faith in that Word. I've said this before, but it'll bear repetition. Sometimes I think people, when they talk about faith... It's too generic. It's, do you have faith in God? And especially when you get around uh, Spirit-filled circles and uh, Word-based teaching and ministry that believes in God's power to answer prayer, power to heal a body, uh, those type of things, then what gets thrown in our laps sometime is if someone doesn't receive what what the Word promises them, then 
sometimes we are accused of saying, well, you, well, we're accused of this. This is not true, but uh, I have, I know people personally that would say this about me. They would say that if ever someone didn't get healed, then my response would just be, well, that's because you don't have enough faith. That's what they see from the outside, which is not accurate. Okay. But here's, here's one thing about that. When someone would say, well, you just don't have enough faith, or they think that we just slap that label on anyone who doesn't receive from God, their, their um, understanding of faith is far too generic. Because they just see it as you either have faith or you don't, or you either have high faith or low faith or something of that nature, when biblically speaking, our faith can be strong in one thing and absent in another. All believers have faith, okay? But, but what, is, what this is contingent upon as far as the reality of God's grace and peace or anything else in our lives, it's contingent upon us knowing specifically what He said to us, what He's made available to us, so that we can have faith in that, okay? Because I could have strong faith in uh, Jesus being the forgiver of my sins, the one who saves me, gives me eternal life, simply because I know about that. But I could, ha- I could totally have an absence of faith in God being my provider. Everybody with me? Would you say about me that I don't have faith? No, that's not true. But it could be true that I don't have faith in Him as my provider. What would be the reason for that? Well, one very big reason would be simply that I don't know that about Him. I'm not filled with the knowledge of God and, uh, and our Lord Jesus Christ in the area of provision. So if someone says, do you have faith? Well, yeah, but what are you talking about? Faith in what? Well, faith in God. Okay, yeah, that He exists. What? Faith that he saves faith what see my faith can be it's like it can be broadened I can have faith in a full spectrum if I have full knowledge of all that he's provided okay and I'm not saying I have full knowledge I'm increasing in this hopefully we all are but as we increase in understanding it allows us to walk in faith concerning all areas of what God has to offer us. Amen. And so, again, he said, grace and peace would be multiplied in the knowledge of God. If I'm struggling in an area, what do I want? here's Here's what I really need. I need the knowledge of God in that area. If some area of my life I'm not overcoming in or I'm lacking in, my prayer ought to be real specific. Lord, show me this. Teach me this. Open my eyes to see this. I need to understand you in this area. I need to understand what what belongs to me in this area. Why? So I can have faith in that. But but, but imagine, uh, uh, it's almost as if we have a wide array, like a big shelf of all of God and all that He can provide and has provided. But a lot of the things on that shelf 
are invisible to us. I mean, they're there because God provided them. But if I don't know they're there, I can't even look to it. I can't expect it. I'm not even going to ask for it. And if I do, I pulled it off just out of the air somewhere, not specifically from a place that God has provided. Amen. I mean, that might be, uh, well, many of you know the Scripture in the Old Testament, Hosea. Remember, Hosea 4, 6 says, uh, the Lord said, my people are destroyed for a lack of, of knowledge. Really? You mean I, I get destroyed just because I don't know something? I mean, how cruel. <laughs> That's the reality of life. That's the reality of life. Those who will apply themselves to learning more of God and His ways and His will, they will absolutely benefit. They will. And, 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 and if we just pass through our lives and it's just kind of, we feel good about going to church instead of being excited about the revelation that comes to us while we're there. So that's two different things. I don't want to be just satisfied because I did what I think God required of me. I want to get something. With me, it's all... Uh, and I, I know it's this way with many of you, but it, it's about substance. It's not just about form. It, it's about the reality of something, not just about I participated. You know, like we, like we say sometimes about things like communion and water baptism, how God doesn't desire or, or give us these ordinances simply to have us active, simply to keep the body of Christ busy. You know, doing religious things. No, there is a potential power in everything that God said. When I know that, it changes me. When I know that, I believe in it. Well, I just, with that example, um, uh, the example of water baptism, when I was uh, younger, quite a bit, well, I was a teenager, and I got baptized in water and it was a it was a deal a small group and it was a big hot tub and and uh and i used to play baseball when i was a teenager and stuff and i had a game and and see at this this baptism meeting there was a whole teaching on the baptism on water baptism and then several people got baptized and i was one of those to get baptized but i showed up after the teaching <laughs> not because i was just trying to avoid it i was doing some other things but i went ahead and got baptized anyway what was i lacking knowledge and I knew a little bit about it it wasn't my my motive wasn't wrong my heart wasn't wrong in it but I did lack knowledge about it and so I got wet and got dry and you know praise the Lord and I don't mean it was meaningless to me but what happened with me is uh, a few years later I started learning I started growing in my knowledge of God and the word of God and one of those things I grew in was my knowledge of water baptism and I started seeing wow this is powerful Look at that. This is the real deal here. God wants to do something in this. What happened then? All of a sudden I had faith. Didn't you have faith before? Not in that. Not in the working of God through water baptism. I didn't. I had faith in God for other things. I had faith in God for prayer and healing and some different things. And I didn't have faith in God for that yet. Why? Didn't know about it. I didn't have understanding. I didn't have any, didn't have any, any revelation concerning that other than just real 
low-level stuff I, 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 I knew. But so, so what happened with me is now because I could do it in faith, I decided to, you know, double dip. <laughs> uh, I, I, I decided to, to redo. And that was, that was just my decision. But I was in a particular place with a minister. And, uh, um, well, it was, it was outside. It was actually in New York State. And uh, we were doing a tent meeting there. And I was just—I wasn't preaching in those days. I was helping and moving chairs and and doing a lot of stuff uh, behind the scenes. And and I had gotten so full of this, and I was studying. I was so full of it, and <laughs> <laughs> the knowledge of God's word. And, uh, and 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 so I told him. I said, I, I want. I said, I need to. I want to do this. I want to get water baptized. Actually, it was the same guy who baptized me before. <laughs> But the human vessel is not really that that critical. Uh, it's the Lord, and it's my understanding. And so we went into it. It was cold, uh, but we went into this lake, and just he and I, and there was one other person there, but we went into this lake, and I went under and got baptized in water again, and uh, it was powerful. <laughs> now, at the moment, did I just come out of there? No, it wasn't like that. But to me, it was very, very noticeable over the next few days. I had, well, kind of what this scripture said, I had peace multiplied unto me. It was the peace of God. It seemed tangible to me. It, some of you have probably heard my testimony about that, but it was like extra quiet. <laughs> I would sit and think, it's quiet. Now, now, now that might sound strange, but... The day before I would sit, and it would be the same volume externally, and I didn't realize it was loud. <laughs> but that was just my experience. I'm not telling you have to experience the same way. But I, I would sit there and notice a tangible manifestation of God's peace on me. My mind was just still. And it was, it was quite good. <laughs> you know, we make a big deal sometime of joy because you laugh and get excited. And, and you know, the, a, a sense of victory and all these kind of things. I'm telling you, peace God's peace that passes understanding. <laughs> His peace is a very powerful thing. But I just give you that example to show you. Uh, is one of the things that happens. We get filled with the knowledge of His will. Oh, glory to God. Get filled with the knowledge of God. It allows us to do all, sometimes what? All the things that we're already doing, but allows us to do them in a more powerful way. It allows us to do them in faith. And how many know a lot of what we do you can do them, and you can do them in faith. I mean, you can pray. How many know anyone can pray? In other words, communicate or talk to God. But not everybody does it in faith, right? You can worship, and you can worship in faith. You can come to church, and you can, go to church. You can come to church in faith. You can go to work, and you can go to work in faith. Amen. You can be a mom or a dad, or you can be a mom and dad by faith, Right? Do we know that there's a connection with everything? Say, so how, well, how can I do that? You find a promise. You find a scripture. You find something that God has said, and you believe that as you go. Let's keep reading here. Verse 3. As His divine power has given to us all, given to us all things that pertain to life 
and godliness. Everything that pertains to life. That's interesting. What pertains to your life? God's got something for it. And godliness through the knowledge of Him. We see that again. Who called us by His glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Everybody say precious promises. promises. That through these, through these what? These precious promises, you may be partakers. What if I don't have a promise? I guess I can't partake. Partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Notice the connection. We got knowledge, knowledge. We got grace and peace. We've got divine, precious promises that enable us to partake. Do you want to partake of God's life? Do you want to partake of the fullness of what He has to offer? You know what a critical component in that is? A promise. Well, what if I don't know what God has promised me? Then do without. Do without. Well, I don't even know where to start. Well, you better get after it. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Because it's vital. I need to believe specifically. Some of you believe are, are believing or supposedly believing for things in your life. For jobs, for financial increase. Can I ask you a question? What verse? If you can't tell me within a few seconds, let me encourage you. Get after it. Some of you believe in for kids, for children to do, and you're praying for them. What are you praying? Based on what revelation of God's will for your child's life? What word are you are you using? Now, there's sometimes it can be a word that God spoke to you. As long as that's in line with Scripture here, then that's good too. But we all start with the word from God. My son, uh, Wesley, the other day was uh, talking to me about something he wanted, uh, a particular item that he wanted. And, um, you know, I said, you can have anything you can believe for. You know, I mean, sometimes we buy them stuff, but we don't just buy everything our kids have a whim about. Every time they say, I want one of those. Okay, here you go. <laughs> no, but I do, but I do instruct them in, in regards to their faith. And, and I said, well, you can, have, you can have that. You know, sometimes they'll ask me, Dad, can I have one of these? Sure. <laughs> That's not the same as I'm going out to the store right now and buying that for you. But I say, sure, you, you can have that. If it's not illegal, you know, or, or harmful or something like that, the answer is yes, you can have it. If he said, can I have a car? Yep. Yeah, I mean, he can't drive yet, but you know what I mean. If he said, could I, you know, he can name anything. My answer would be, yep, you can have that. But I don't, ma- but I'm not his source. I'm not my children's source. I'm when they're real young. That's all they know. But as they're growing up, they need to, be able to start transferring their expectation onto God. And so and so I started talking to him about and you know and, and he already knows this to a degree uh, about praying and believing God. So I said, "Have you ever asked for something and you believe you have ever believed God for it and 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 it happened?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, what?" Well, he said like, "Well, my iPod." I said, "Okay." He said, "Where'd you get that?" He said, "Well, you gave it to me." And I don't discount that because I don't buy them everything automatically. You know, I said, good. I said, good. I said, what else? You know, 
How about something that came from outside of us, outside of your parents, so you can even really know? And he, and he said, yeah, my guitar. I prayed for that, and it came in short order. Someone gave him a guitar. Someone in our church gave him a guitar. So there you go. He said, you believe for that iPod? You believe for that guitar? Think you can believe for this other thing? Yeah, yeah. I'm not telling you what it is because I don't want you to answer his prayer. <laughs> you know, unless it's God, unless the Lord deals with you. Because uh, faith is the real thing. So you know what I asked him next, though? I said, uh, so what, what verse are you standing on? And, you know, he hadn't prayed yet, but what verse are you going to stand on? Um, well... You know, and he fumbled around a little bit and tried to quote half of a verse here and there, but he totally wasn't ready. But I suspected that. I said, "Well, you got to find something that God has promised you. You got to find you got to find a word, so you can have you have something specific to believe. Don't just go around saying I'm believing for something. What are you believing? What specifically?" And he fumbled around, and finally I said, "Well, read John 15. There's one in there." There's one in there. And so uh, when he found, you know, eventually got, eventually got to John 15:7, you know, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you will and it shall be done for you. Right? And, uh, and you know, it didn't say what God wills. It said what you will. Get the word, you know, and I went through it with him. I said, do you abide in him? He said, yeah. I said, does his word abide in you? And he struggled with that a little bit, thinking that, you know, maybe he doesn't know everything or doesn't do everything right. I said, stop right there. What about John 15, 7? Does that word abide in you? I said, I want you to go, I want you to read that. I want you to meditate on that. I want you to think about that. Read that over and over. Let it get established in you. Okay? And now he's in a position of faith. And he already today said, said to me, said, oh, when I get my such and such... You know, and there's no hesitation in his voice. When I get my such and such, this is what I'm going to do. And he was telling me about how he was going to give something else away and, and, and so forth. And, and uh, you know, praise God. But a lot of times we have been in the Word for a while. We've been in church. We praise the Lord. But we skip over little steps like that. It's by his promises, these precious promises that we partake. And if I'm skipping over the promises, if I don't know what God has promised me, then I'm limiting my ability to partake of His divine nature. Amen. All things that pertain to my life. Now, if all things that pertain to, my, to life and godliness come through the knowledge of Him, there must be a promise concerning everything I have to deal with. Everything that I need, it must be covered in here. Yeah. And the good news about that, some of those are really wide open promises. They really are. It's whatever you desire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wide open promises, and so and, and so we can we can begin to uh, to operate in faith. It's important that we do that. Remember, it's important. I don't want to just want to pray. No, I want to pray with expectation. It's not just how much noise we make. It's not just how many people we can get to make noise. It's not. You know, many people have this false idea that if I can get a lot of people praying for me, my odds are better. Stop playing the odds. Okay? This is not Vegas. God is not a heavenly slot machine. And if you get you catch him at the right time, you know, get the right combination, ka-ching, 
you get an answer to prayer. <laughs> no, it's not like that at all. We go with this odd. When you find a precious promise, odds are 100% I'm getting this. Yeah, 100%. You're saying we can have everything we pray for. Yes, as long as we pray right. Too many times, though, we're throwing up prayers. We're just throwing things out there. And we're saying, oh, I'm trusting God for this. I'm trusting God for that. And, and I don't mean, you know, I don't mean just to be rude to everyone else and start questioning every. But if you're close to people and you can have a conversation with them, you might want to challenge them. Say, what's that based on? You're praying for that? Or, you, or they come to you and they say, would you pray for me about this? Uh, now, not a new believer, not someone who doesn't know. Then you instruct them on what to believe right and that can be a way of doing it but what are you basing that on what scripture are you standing on what what's God's will concerning this and if they're like well I don't know that's why I'm praying to see if he does it stop let's stop right there and let's not be praying about stuff until we find the will of God amen so what if that's what I'm praying about is the will of God then you find a verse that promises you that he will talk to you that He will lead you, that He will guide you. And how many know there's plenty of uh, verses along those lines? All right? But either way, whatever we do, we're starting with this foundation that God has promised me life. He has promised to meet my needs, to heal my body, to restore my, my soul, to, to, to do things in me that only He can do. And so that's where we begin. Look, go over to uh, James, James 4. Everybody okay so far? Sometimes I, in these services, common now, we get in these services Wednesday night, and I stand here and I start to perceive what certain people need. And one of those things is what we're talking about right now. I perceive that God wants to get through to some people and that people have been asking, praying, supposedly standing, but they're just off a little bit. But there's some, there's just some gaps. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean God doesn't want you, but uh, wants you to have stuff or, uh, or so forth. It just means sometimes there's some gaps in our prayer life. There's gaps in our, in our, in our supposedly believing God, and we can firm that up real quickly by getting established in the know. I've got to know something, not wonder something. Not see if something, not try something. I know something. It's through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. It's through the knowledge of these uh, exceeding great and precious promises. Through the knowledge of those that we overcome. Everybody with me now? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Father, reveal to your people to all of us exactly what we need to know to move forward show us Lord show us from the word of God show us what we need to know to move forward we trust you in that thank you Lord thank you Lord Jesus said we would know your voice know his voice the shepherd's voice the voice of a stranger we would not follow so thank you Lord we know it we know what to do thank you Lord James 4, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? 
You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers, adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Uh, And he goes on to say some other things. Now, uh, you understand here the context of this. James is writing to his church, and a lot of them were backslidden. They weren't doing right. And one of the things you can see here is they were just going after the stuff. To this degree, they weren't going after it in a godly manner. They weren't going after it in a godly way, but they were clawing. They were fighting. They were stepping on everyone they they wanted to step on in order to get what they wanted. When we get to that point, that's a problem. When we say, I'm willing to do anything to get this, I think you better back up. Willing to do anything to get that? No, no, no. Willing to do anything for the Lord? Yeah. Willing to do anything to serve Him? Yeah. Willing to do anything to get that new car? No, not willing to do anything. Willing to do anything to get this, whatever it is? No, that's where they were at. They're willing to do anything. They're fighting. Whenever you see people fighting over stuff, you've got to watch out. Okay? Because you see the goal here? You see what God was really doing? He was trying to get stuff to them, not tell them they couldn't have it. Do you see that? He's telling them how to get stuff, but telling them, you're going about it the wrong way. You got the wrong motive here. You got the wrong heart here. You're fighting and all this, and you just need to ask. Right? And even when, he said, even though when, when some of them did ask, they were so consumed with the thing. They're so consumed with the, the world's material stuff to the fact that he said, you guys are committing adultery spiritually. Amen. But again, the will of God, the desire of God, was not all through all this process where he's saying, you can't have it. You just need to forget about it. No, he said you need to approach it the right way. need to approach it the right, with, the, with the right manner. Amen. That's what God wants to wants us to know too. Yeah, he wants to, he wants to get things to us. How do how do we get how how does he get them to us? We find out what he promised. We find out what he said. We put that in the bank and write checks on it. Amen. Because Hebrews, you remember Hebrews chapter eleven says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Right. Faith is something that when you begin to operate in that, it takes the place of the thing that you hope for, the thing that you expect, until that thing arrives. It's, it, it, it's kind of like this. And I did this with my son concerning his prayer of faith as well. And I, I, I just started asking. I said, uh, I said, Wesley, okay, you're praying for such and such. I said, when are you going to get it? And then I'd ask him, where are you going to get it? He'd tilt his head. <laughs> but he, we, had to know the, we had to know those things. And I, so I began to explain to him, I said, when you get it is when you pray. The moment you ask, 
the moment you make your request, that is when you get it. Because when does God hear you? When you pray. So when do you get it? I mean, I have no indication. I have no promise from God that I pray and He waits a week before He answers. Concerning a promise now. I'm not talking about necessarily an assignment that He gives you. But concerning a promise to me, I ask, He responds immediately. Be rude if He didn't. Just be silent and ignore me. <laughs> That's not the way He is. So I said, well, Wesley, when do you get it? And I, I told him, you get it when you pray. I said, so when are you going to have it? <laughs> when I pray. Well, no. It could be one second, one millisecond afterward. But it is sometime after you pray that you actually see it. It is sometime in the future after you pray. But you never get to that unless you get it when you pray. Say, I got God's word on it. I've got his promise on it. So when I pray, I get it. It's mine. I have it now. Because I have it now, now I expect to see it. Now I'm expecting to see it any time. Amen. You know, when I asked him where, I said, where, where do you get it? Well, when you pray, you get it inside. I said, you lay hold of it. You've got it in your heart. Because God answered you. So if you were asked the question, do you have it yet? What's the answer? Yes. Because I have it in here, I will very soon have it out here. But, let's, but how many know if you switch either one of those around on either question, it messes up the whole prayer. If I'm praying and saying, okay, I believe the Lord's going to do it. I believe I'm going to get it. Mm. <clears throat> Wrong answer. Because we've, we've put the answer to our prayer out in the future. When we need to take possession of things today. You take possession when you pray. That's, that's, that's your faith taking place of the item until the item arrives. Everybody with me? And so you, when do you get it? You get it now, and then you see it later. I get it on the inside, and then soon I have it on the outside. But I must get it now, and I must get it on the inside today. I get it now. I get it today, I get it on the inside. Now I'm pre prepared. If I honestly and truly get that and I get it now, it will change my demeanor in how I approach my life from this point on. I'm no longer going to be acting as if I don't have it. I'm no longer going to be talking as if, as if I'm without. I'm not going to be trying to talk anyone else to, to, trying to talk anyone else into giving it to me. I'm not going to be pressuring anybody else. Why? Well, I already have it. And because I already have it, I'm just living with great expectation. I'm expecting. don't necessarily know how or exactly what time, but any second. It's coming. It's on the way right now. How do you know? Because I got it when I prayed. How do you know you're really going to see it? Well, because I have faith. Faith takes the place of it until it arrives. Once it arrives, I don't need faith anymore. Right? If it's a Bible, I'm believing for a new Bible. As soon as the Bible comes physically into my possession, do I need faith for the Bible? I don't need faith for the Bible anymore. Why? Because I can see the Bible. Faith operates in the realm that you cannot see, and I do see this. So I'm no longer operating in faith. For the, faith has run its course 
in this particular task. But let me encourage you, always keep your faith going. Once you're done with that, yay, I got it, praise the Lord, hallelujah, God, I'm using it. Now get on something else. Say, well, I don't need anything else. Believe for something to give. Oh, yeah, we're believers. That's what we do. Believing is what we, we specialize in. So what do you do? I believe. What do you believe? I believe things out of the spirit realm into the physical realm. Yeah, not a lot of people are doing that. But we've got the, the capacity to pull things out of the invisible realm into the seen realm. What's in the invisible realm? All of these exceeding great and precious promises. It's like they're hanging out there. <laughs> There's an abundance of all that God has provided, all of His life, all of His stuff, waiting for someone to reach into that realm with the hand of faith and yank something out of it into the physical realm. Come on now. Many of us are doing that, aren't we? Seeing things happen. Seeing things happen. And it's, it's, it's God's will. Amen. Let's look at First Timothy, no, Second Timothy. Can you take a little bit more? Second Timothy. Chapter one. Verse 3, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. Now this is, who wrote this letter? Anybody know that's Paul? You see that's the first word there. Paul wrote this letter to Timothy. Timothy. He calls him his beloved son. All right. Now, it wasn't a natural son, uh, but a spiritual son, son in the faith. But he said he prays for him night and day. It's always good for us to see examples like this. When did Paul pray? When it was dark and when it was light. He prayed during the day and he prayed at night. I think he prayed a lot. I think people who are really successful in, their, in, their, in life with God, they pray a lot. Yeah you don't have much time for prayer, you don't have much time to have the full potential of God's plan in your life. All right? And I know we get busy and prayer gets put way on the back burner sometimes. But man, I've been working X number of hours a day. I just don't have time to pray. If you <laughs> Listen, um, I think a better approach would be this. If you've got a lot to do, make sure and pray extra. As opposed to putting prayer last, make it first. Put it before and, that, and you'll find everything else will start to work out better. He said, verse 4, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I, might, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. That's an interesting phrase, genuine faith. What does that imply? That there could be fake faith? You know, it's the real thing. He said, man, this is the real deal in you. But implying again that there could be some out there who their faith was phony, fake faith. He said, which first dwelt in your mother, your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and Father Clark, right? Uh, you have to really look deep in the Greek to find that. 
really deep. Uh, and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. L- look at that, how, how the life of faith came from grandmother to mother to Timmy. Yeah. Listen, uh, you know, a lot of times we, we talk about in our society about passing on an inheritance. Parents and grandparents want to pass on an inheritance to their children, their children's children. That's a godly thing, great thing to do. Tell you one thing that's way more important than that is passing on faith. Passing on faith. Those of you who have who have kids, especially young kids, kids are in in your home. Uh, make sure you pass that on. So how do I do that? Well, obviously by, you know, by teaching, by those kind of things. But by example is one of the best ways. You know, what do they see in you when the pressure's on? What do they What do they see when you're faced with a hardship or a trouble? Do they see mom and dad step up and say, you know what? You know, we're going to believe God. As they're old enough to understand, do you involve them in prayer? Do you involve them in believing God with you for things to happen? Say, I want, I want my kids, uh, and I'm not saying I'm... Uh, the perfect example, nor am I doing this every day, but at times, and and I want my kids to come out of their years at home to where they'll believe God. They'll have that established faith in their life where they're going to trust God for their needs to be met. They're going to trust God for their physical strength and healing. And where are they going to get that from? It'll be supplemented at church because they'll get that if I keep them in church. Um, But you know what they're going to remember a lot? is what they saw every day at home. You know, I know some parents want the church to fix their kids, and that's a tall order. It is. It's a tall order if at home everything goes one direction, and then they drop them off at church, and, uh, and we're taking them another direction. That's just, that's just too much to ask sometimes. What they see at home from Lois and Eunice. <laughs> <laughs> what they see at home on a continual basis is what's going to be established in their heart. And just on another side note to that, parents are supposed to direct their kids in the way that they should go when they're young. You don't give them options concerning their spiritual life. There's a great misnomer in the world today, and people are pressured to grow up with this idea, well... I don't really want to choose for them. You know, I kind of want them to make up their own mind concerning God and this kind of stuff. Man, capital dumb. That is, that is wrong. Listen, if you don't lead them in the way they should go, trust me, the world will. And say, well, you know, sometimes kids get up in their teen years and, 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 and maybe they don't want to go to church. Maybe they want to do some other stuff. Do not give in to that. Now, obviously, if you're, if you're playing the hypocrite and you're not living it at home, then uh, you're going to have trouble. But if you're being the real deal, you get their butt in church. You get their rear end in the Word. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And, you know, you might, if they're you know, old enough to be in the service with you and everything, at times you might want to lift their hands up <laughs> during worship. I say that somewhat jokingly, but here, here, here's my point, is you direct them in the way they're supposed to go. You show them what it's like both by example and say, hey, uh, we're looking at Hebrews today. 
Get your Bible out. We're worshiping God now. Hands in the air. Amen. Someone said, well, I don't even lift my hands. Well, that's a problem. You're training them not to do that. Well, I'm not even singing a song. Well, that's a problem. Going to have some kid who doesn't even, doesn't even worship. Who would want that? A Christian who didn't worship. How lame is that? You know, someone told me recently. They were uh, they were visiting a church, good sized church, and uh, from all external appearances, you know, we'd think it's probably a good church. And this guy told me, he said, I felt I felt strange when I went in there. I felt he said I felt awkward, kind of out of place. And he's a believer, and it's a Bible believing church. There are believers there, the real thing. And I said, well, why? He said, because I had a Bible. And I thought, huh, sad commentary. In Christian circles where the Christians gather together and a Bible is a scarce item. Something's wrong with that picture. You know, I, I can see if you go to work and you might be the only one with a Bible. <laughs> you know, very few. but in church... You feel funny because you come in with a Bible? Something wrong with that. So anyway, uh, parents, direct your kids in the way they should go. Don't, don't let them run you over. Don't think by giving in that you're actually gaining ground. I'm not saying never give in on anything or be flexible in your... But, but there are certain things you don't bend on. And one of, this, one of those is what Joshua said. As for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. You're in the house. You're serving the Lord. What if they don't want to? It's not up to them. When they're up and old and out of the house, they'll, they're going to make their own decisions. But you're helping them now. You're helping them to see what it's like to be faithful, to be a child of God, to be consistent in life. Otherwise, they get, a, they get, out, of, they get out of high school and go off to college. They're going to backslide. How many does that happen to? Can you say a lot? A lot of kids. So what's up with that? Well, I can't, I don't know the answer to all of it, but I know some of it is they saw a lot of inconsistencies in home, at home. And they were given the option. They went to church a couple times a month. What is up with that? Can, can I just be plain with everyone? This is believers meeting, right? Everyone can handle this. We've got a maturity level a little bit a little bit high. People who come to church a couple times a month, I'm talking outside of extraordinary circumstances, but knock that off. Let's get serious about the things of God. A couple times a month, and I'm, uh, he's Lord. <laughs> he's not Lord. You're Lord. You say hi once in a while. You check in, make sure everything's okay. But if he's Lord... We can't wait to meet with him, find out what he's doing, to be involved in stuff. I know people get quiet when I talk about this, except for the front row. But, uh, for... <laughs> Amen. You know, it's like on Sunday nights we have prayer meetings around here. Occasionally I go to those prayer meetings and I don't feel like it. But most of the time I go to those prayer meetings and I, I totally look forward to it. Honestly, do. Why? I enjoy being with the Lord. I enjoy walking around here and praying in the Holy Ghost. 
I get edified and built up. Occasionally, I am just thrashed physically, and I make myself go. (laughs) But most of the time, I honestly, I just think, glory to God, I can't wait. I get edified. I get built up. I'm telling you, that's the way it ought to be. There's a discipline side to the Christian life. But when we're doing it right, you know, most of the time we don't have to kick back on that. Most of the time we operate out of desire. Yeah, I want to be there. I really want to read the Word. There's some days I read the Word because I know I'm good. For, I know it's good for me. I know, you know, I need to I need to feed on this and it'll be healthy for my spiritual life. But some days it's like, man, I just can't read, can't wait. I I, I just want to, man, that's good. And I've read it a hundred times, but it's good again. I've eaten pizza a lot too, and I still like it. <laughs> How much more the eternal Word of God? Some people get burned out on pizza. I'd never have. <laughs> you know, I was a youth pastor, and you know, you live on pizza, <laughs> and uh, and I still love it. It's good. I don't eat it very much now because it makes me fat, but <laughs> but I do eat it some. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> uh, anyway, let, let, let's read a little bit further here. Everybody okay so far? <laughs> I honestly believe the Spirit of God wants to wants to help us in some of these areas, and and, and get us to where we need to be. And so we can walk in his blessing. All right. Let's see. We talked about Lois and Eunice. Verse 6. Therefore, I remind you. What do you mean I remind you? Re-re-mind. Re-mind. Brings it back to his mind. Obviously, he knew this. But he was reminding him. A reminder's good. Reminders are good. They're very good. Sometimes you, sometimes you hear the message. You know, our, our youth pastor, PJ, you know, now he gets to hear my messages three times a week. <laughs> and I, he was telling some other people, you got to do it. You got you to get in there. I get a lot more out of it now than I did before. And I said, yeah, that's after a couple of weeks. But... <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he still feels that way in a year. But, <laughs> but there is, there's truth to this, this principle. I'm not telling you all to do this, but there's truth to the principle of hearing something again and again. Again and again and again. And you'll actually hear things you didn't hear before. It's like some of you missed some of what I said tonight. I saw you miss it. I can tell sometimes in pers- a person's eye whether they're there. <laughs> Certainly you've done that before. You've let your mind wander in the middle of a conversation. That happens in church. But you hear it again and again, and you pick up stuff that you missed the first time. I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Stir up the gift of God. You know, you know I get image of uh, stirring up. Now, the gift of God was obviously there already, just like the gift of God is in you. The gift of God is in me. God has equipped us and and given us what we need to fulfill His will and plan for our lives. But the vital step here is not, Lord, give me more gifts. No, we need to focus on our end of the equation, which is keep that gift stirred up. What are you capable of doing? What's lying dormant in you today that it's not a matter of, I need to pray that God will do it. No, what do I need to keep stirred up? You know, you think about the fire. The fire you got a f- fire in the fireplace, and after a while that thing starts uh, dying out. 
you know, and the flames, and you got some wood in there, and you got some hot coals under there, but sometimes you need to go move things around, don't you? You know, get the little poker out and stir it up a little bit, right? Blow on that thing a little and, and stir it up, and you can get the flame going again. And with some, that happens, all right? You've known about God's promises. You've known about God's Word, but you're not excited about it anymore. You've let the flame die out. You're not stirred up about it. Sometimes we'll just say, come on, let's stir it up. What do we mean? In, in a real one, one sense, we just mean, let, come on, let's get excited about this, these things again. Let's get excited about the Word of God. Let's get excited about the move of His Spirit and what God's doing in the earth today. Let's get excited about His plan coming to pass. Let's get excited about people being saved and people being healed and set free. Come on. Let's get excited about going to work. Because God has called you there. Because God has a plan for you there. Because God has a purpose He wants to accomplish in your life there. Don't let yourself live days and weeks on end without excitement. Amen. Amen. So what do I need to do? Sometimes you just got to stir it up. You just stir it back up again. Again, that gives me the idea that things can settle. I need to be reminded to keep things stirred. If I don't intentionally do it, they settle. The potential of my life settles. And I need to keep it moving. Amen. Kind of like at the buffet. You know, the crowd's been slow there today. And the food's been sitting there a while. So what are the workers told to do? Go stir everything up. Make it look fresh again. <laughs> make it look appetizing. Because <laughs> it's just sitting there. And sometimes we look like that. We've just been sitting there a while. What's going on with you? Nothing. <laughs> Time to stir it up. <laughs> Time to get some freshness back in your life. I'm a, God is not old. <laughs> you know, the, the move of His Spirit, all that He's doing, it doesn't wear out, doesn't get old. It's new every morning. He's there at all times. And so let's stay fresh. Let's stay stirred. Let's stay excited about the things of God. Amen. Man, there's so much there, but, you know, verse 7, he said, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so apparently Timothy, you know, was dealing with some things because of, you see in other parts of this book, because of his age and youth, and he was being intimidated and, and, and different things. But how many know when the gift of God is stirred up, you can't accomplish what you need to accomplish? Timothy could be an effective pastor. He could be an effective minister of the gospel if he kept the gift stirred up. But if he didn't, nah, nah, his, his, his effectiveness would go down. The moment I lose my excitement, and I'm not saying for a day or something that everything is over, because, listen, there's moments when I'm not excited. I'm not implying I'm just, hey, just at all 24-7 not. Uh, but as a general rule in my life, the moment I lose my excitement about what um, I'm doing and about what God is doing in me and my relationship with Him and reaching people is the moment I, I severely limit the effectiveness of what I can do. Amen. And one of the signs of a person 
truly and genuinely being um, in faith about what they've prayed for, about what they're believing God for, one of these great and precious promises, you know what it is? It's excitement. If I've prayed and I've believed that I receive, I believe that God heard me and that I have what I've desired and petitioned of Him, what does that cause me to do? <laughs> I'm excited. I saw that in my son this morning when he mentioned that to me. I could see it in his face. He has it. He's already got it. I could see it on his face. I thought, good, good. That's the true sign of someone who believes when they pray. They're excited about it. Amen. If you catch yourself getting low and feeling down, slap yourself upside the head. Say, hey, come on now, because you got your eyes on natural stuff, and you forgot that he promised it to you, and you've got it now.